You're listening to the Flow Theory Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the latest episode of the Flow Theory Podcast. I am your host, Wade Peary. And boy, oh boy, am I jacked up to introduce our next guest. This man was one of the best all-purpose backs in Virginia football history. This man not only rushed for over 2,000 career yards in his Virginia career, but had over 1,000 receiving yards in his Virginia football career as well. All in all, he ended up with over 3,700 all-purpose yards for the Virginia Football Cavaliers. This man may have been small in stature, was an absolute ankle-breaking savage for the Virginia Cavaliers. Mr. Perry Jones, number 33 on the field, number one in our hearts. This man was the man they like to call Superman in Charlottesville. They say you don't spin the wind and you don't tug on Superman's cape. Ha 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 ha. Heard that one a few times. Yeah, dude. I, I tell you what, that's uh, one of my all-time favorite nicknames for any Virginia football player. I uh, got to admit, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear about that later on in the podcast. But the first thing, I really love talking to all the athletes that come on. One of the biggest parts about this podcast, I love talking to guys about their moments of flow and their moments of being in the zone. You know, Mike Vick in his documentary, he talks about Mm -hmm. how players were moving in slow motion, even though they were running at full speed. Uh, Do you have some moments from your career in the flow state that you can describe for us? Um, I mean, I guess just uh, uh, throughout the games, you know, I played in a a bunch of different stadiums. even the, you know, playing at Scott Stadium when it's like, you know, 40 or 50,000 people in the stands and I can't hear any of it. So I guess for me, that was my zone. It's just like blocking out all distractions, kind of zoning in on, you know, the task at hand. And, you know, and that was, you know, winning the football game and helping the team out as best I could. So um, I guess that was my zone. It's just, you know, blocking out all the outside noise and just uh, honing in on what I needed to do. Did you ever have any sort of specific plays where things were moving in slow motion for you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess one of the biggest play that I can think about, which I'm sure you, uh, you know, you're probably going to ask me about was uh, the touchdown catch in the corner of the end zone against Florida state. Oh yeah. Um, and it's crazy because I like played it in my mind before it even happened. Like I knew it, I knew how exactly it was going to happen. Um, I knew I was one-on-one with the outside linebacker. I was going to, you know, stick them inside and beat them to the edge and catch the ball and get and get hit by uh, the safety. Uh, and it, that's exactly how it played out. So um, that that moment in time kind of slowed down for me. Um, so, yeah, that was that was a big catch in my career. Dude, Perry, that catch was absolutely incredible. I mean, that ball. Watching that catch from the end zone camera to this day, that is one of the prettiest catches I've seen in Virginia football history. I mean, watching that spiral through the air, it was just a gorgeous ball by Rocco. And the Mm -hmm. fact that you 
You had a couple steps on Nigel Bradham, who, by the way, was an incredible linebacker for oh Florida State. He was, God. Yeah, he, was he was a monster, dude. And you got a couple steps on him to make that catch with Bradham and the safety converging at the same time, man. I yeah. Once you made that catch, dude, I was like, here we go, man. We got a shot. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I, I felt it. My buddy... I got a good friend that he's a diehard Virginia fan. He's like, what was going through your mind after you made that TD catch? Were you like, oh, it's on now? Yeah, I mean, I kind of knew we were, you know, we already were there with the mindset that, you know, yeah, this is Florida State, great team, great program history. Um, but we're trying to come in and do something special. So, you know, from the beginning, we we never backed down. And that, and that play kind of, uh, you know, solidified in my mind, like, and we can play with these guys. And, you know, ultimately that's what we did. And we came out with the victory in the end. Yeah, man, that, that game was one of the all time classic Virginia football games for sure, because Virginia had never beaten Florida state at Florida state. And it was, it was such a tightly contested game throughout the game. And how about that tackle that chase Minifield made? Chasing down Burt Reed from behind. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that was, you know, that was probably the the most important play of the game. And, you know, I I love Chase to death, but everybody knows that he wasn't the most fleet footed. Um, but he just wanted it more than anybody on the field on that particular play. And, you know, he, he saved the touchdown. I think our defense ended up getting a uh getting a turnover and you know, that just that just changed the course of the game. And that play kind of, you know, summarized the, the mentality of that Virginia football team. It's just like, you know, yeah, we may not be as big or as fast or, you know, as the, uh, or as strong as that Florida State team. But today, in this moment, we want it more than you. So we're going to do whatever it takes. Yeah, man. He really turned on the afterburners for that one. I mean, the way that recovery speed to catch him – Catch him at that point was absolutely incredible. Rewatching those highlights, um, you know, another game I want to talk about, Perry, the 2011 Miami game. Talk to me about that screen pass that you took to the house, dude. Yeah, uh, I mean that was a, a, another big game, um, and it's just like, you know, uh, it was one of those. It was actually, you know. Uh, I was actually motioned out of the backfield. So it was a, it was a design uh, pass play, um, but just similar to the, the Florida State catch and that exact catch, it's one of those plays where me and, you know, Rocco, we knew, like, when the play is called, the ball is coming to me. Um, so with, with that type of, you know, uh, non-hesitation and just understanding that I'm going to get this ball, so I have to do whatever I, I need to do to get open, um, that that made it a lot better. So yeah, we we did a great job at being on the, on the same page. I motioned out of the backfield, and the linebacker came out wide with me one on one as we had been practicing it uh, that week. And we knew if I got a one on one matchup with a with a middle linebacker, you know that wasn't going to be pretty. So you know I just came in, ran a uh, ran a slant route, got a step on him, caught it. You know just you know took it. I think it was what seventy eight yards to the house. Something like that. You also had a TD pass in that game to Tim Smith. Talk to me about that one. Oh uh, yeah, that, so I, I, I kind of pride myself on on having a decent arm. So, um, and that was 
my old high school teammate, and you know we have been repping and repping in practice, and every time I would hit him in stride, um, and we knew again I was having a pretty decent game. They was probably gonna try to you know key in on me a little bit, and I took the uh, jab step to the left, came out to the right, tried to sell the run as much as I could to get that safety to come down, and the receiver stopped block a little bit and just took off. And as soon as I saw saw him take off. I knew I had it, and I just kind of had to, you know, put put the ball on the money. Um, I try not to think about it too much because, you know, it, even though it's a, a big, a high-pressure situation, you don't want to approach it that way because you, that's when the mistakes happen. So I just pretended that we were still in practice, and I'm just having fun with it, you know, tossing the ball around, and I, and I hit him a shot. Talk to me about the, the Superman nickname, Perry. I, I don't really know, like, I... I I never really learned like where that came from. Was it just guys watching you in the weight room? Like, God, this dude's like crazy strong for a guy his size. Um, so that, it kind of like it kind of kind of all came together by the time I got to to college. Um, like growing up, Superman was always my favorite hero. Um, so when I was in the eleventh grade, I think I got a tattoo of the Superman logo on my shoulder. And my high school coach put in a package called the Superman package. <laughs> um, so I had a, my own special package in high school called Superman. And then I guess when I got to, you know, got to, to college, you know, guys would see the, the tattoo and thought that I was strong and all these kind of things. And, you know, they just, they just, you know, ran with it. So obviously I didn't, I, I mean, I, obviously I loved it uh, because again, that was my, the, the hero that I wanted to be growing up as a little kid. Um, and just kind of, you know, the way I approach things was almost like a, I, I try to see it as like a Superman effort. Like I'm always trying to, you know, do the right thing and work as hard as possible and help out as many people as I can. Um, so again, as I got to college, it kind of just wrapped up, wrapped itself up, like came full circle. Um, and, you know, Superman name has, you know, stuck. Ever since, I still have teammates there who will call me every once in a while. It's still Superman, or you know, a, a few of them even showing it up to just suit. They'll just call me suit. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's been a fun ride with you know with that nickname. That's funny, man. Talk to me about the 2008, your 2008 season with Oscar Smith. You know, looking back at your high school stats, Perry, pretty surprised to be honest. I'm curious to hear about your recruitment process and if you were surprised that you didn't get more scholarship offers. I know you were small and that was a big thing that a lot of teams overlooked you on, but man, dude, you're all time leading tackler at Oscar Smith. You rushed for over 1800 yards your senior year, 30 touchdowns. You put up some numbers, dude. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was under recruited. Uh, man, I, I played with some great players, like four stars and five stars. Uh, you know, guys were going to. I think everybody knows Phil Sims. He went to Alabama. We also had our four starting receivers went to Maryland. Tim Smith came to Virginia with me. Marshall and UNC, like four starting receivers at one time. Defensive tackle going to Penn State. My other inside linebacker went to Tennessee. Outside linebacker went to Temple. A cornerback went to Syracuse. So I played with a bunch of guys who were getting a lot of like notor like notoriety. Um, it was me being, you know, a five six, one hundred and seventy pound middle linebacker. I'm just out of position at that point. And by like before my senior year, I hadn't played running back. Like I was a linebacker, 
and that was a fullback. So, with you know having those positions, you would think, okay, uh, the guys at the next level at those positions are six foot plus, two hundred and twenty, two hundred thirty pounds. I'm right. nowhere near that. Um, but I always approach approach the game as though I was the biggest on the field. Um, so I think that's kind of where my um, my recruitment like took a, a little a, a little slip. Um, but a few schools were still able to kind of see my value and you know would come in and offer me. Um, I think that my first offer was uh, I think it was Boston College maybe, um, and then the Navy and then UVA. Um, but they all they all wanted I got recruited as a safety, and even when I got to UVA, I was gonna you know start off as a safety. They asked me to play cornerback at the uh, you know when I first started camp, but I I know my I know my ability. And right. Cornerback wasn't a position that I I thought that I would be able to thrive in. So I asked Coach Grove, you're like, can I move over to running back? And he was like, well, I'll let you try it at the beginning of camp. If you don't do well, we're we're just gonna move you back to defense. And I started the depth at the uh, started camp on the depth chart my my true freshman year as the number seven running back on the depth chart. And by the ninth game of the season, I had worked my way up to number two. Jeez. Yeah. Man, I had no idea they started you out as DB. That's that's yeah. a really cool story, man. I, I never even knew about that one. Like, God. Yeah. You had the ability to shake guys in the open field, dude. Man, watching your 2011 highlight tape especially, got the way you would shake guys in the open field, dude, is that just something, like, you always had, like, playing football growing up? Uh, it actually wasn't. Um, it's just something that I, I knew that I had to work on, like, especially going over to the offensive side of the ball. I knew, like, I mean, in college that year, uh, what, 5'7", 185 pounds. You know, I'm not going to be able to to run through linebackers. You know, I can put a I can put a shoulder down and get tough yards, but that's not going to be my game. My game is going to be making people miss in a phone booth. Uh, so I just rep, rep, rep every single day in practice. In the all season, I knew I had to work on my speed and agility um, because that's where I was going to make my money by making guys miss. Um, so it, again, it's something that I definitely had to had to really work on and improve as best I could. And you know, that's kind of where. You know, it, uh, I I excel because that's that's what I had to make the main part of my game. Yeah, man. On your your 2011 highlight tape, one of the jukes that really jumped out at me, Southern Miss, dude. Some guy tried to meet you in the hole. Like you you get through the gap, and the guy's ready for you in the hole, and you absolutely shake him out of his shoes, dude. Walk me through that play. Uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it's crazy that I remember it. So remember that play so vividly. Um, it was a 50s, uh, 40 zone. So it was a, uh, inside zone play to the right. And if everybody crashes to the right, then I have the option to cut it back to the left. And the hole was wide open. It was just me and him. And, you know, it's, even in that moment, I just remember my position coach saying, like, in order for you to be a successful running back and to play running back, uh, at Virginia, you have to be able to make guys miss on one on one. You can't make one guy miss, then you know it's only so much, only so much success we can have as a running back. Um, so when I caught, I cut it back and I saw him there, and I knew I was going at a, I was, I, was, I wasn't going too fast, but I knew I was going at a decent speed that he would have to, he would have to uh, bite on my first move because I think it was like third and short or 
fourth and short, something really short distance, and I only needed one or two yards. So I cut it back, and I saw him kind of converging on me, and I stuck him inside. As soon as I knew he was going to bite, as soon as he bit, I went I went outside, got the first down. And I, uh, fun fact, I actually got tackled by uh, by Jamie Collins, uh, who's in the NFL, who has has had a great career. So. Um, it was it was kind of fun playing against and you know talking a little bit of trash to, to that guy as well. So. Yeah, dude, Jamie Collins, great player. Um, you know, I'm flipping back and forth here a lot, but man, watching your Oscar Smith highlight tape, dude, there is a play they they have a section on that highlight tape called special teams hitters, dude. Uh-huh. There is a it's a uh, I think it's a punt return where it's like a yeah. reverse. It's yeah. the guy fakes he fakes the reverse uh-huh. and and you end up coming down and just smashing this guy on a peel pack while you absolutely yeah. destroyed this guy yeah yeah i uh, mean that was kind of uh you know something that i was known for in high school uh if i was in high school today i would have been thrown out of probably five games uh throughout <laughs> the course of the season so luckily it was <laughs> so luckily it was legal back then um but you know, again, I was just out to kind of inflict as much pain on my opponents as possible, and ultimately to set up my teammates to, to you know, be successful. Uh, so I knew he was going to be trailing. They usually are because my re- we had really good returners, and they were usually going to break at least one or two a game and get pretty decent yardage. Yardage, and it was always going to be somebody who was chasing after them, who wasn't going to be looking for anybody else around except for the, the punt returner. So. Um, I, I saw my, my my opportunity, and I, and I kind of took it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel bad now looking back on it, um, but you know, it was, it was all fun back then. Oh, I don't, I don't think there's anything to feel bad about, man. That's football, you know. I mean, like yeah, you yeah. said, like you said, man. Like nowadays, they'd make it illegal, but dude, fans like me and the, and a lot of diehard football fans, that's what we come to the stadium to see, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, and yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't, uh, feel bad. I mean, that's, fo- that's part of the game. You know, that's what know. you, yeah. that's what you sign yeah. up for when you put on the yep. chin strap and get between the lines. There you go. Um, talk to me about your coaching career, Perry. I know you were coaching at Albemarle a little bit and I, mm-hmm. now you're currently the head coach at Glen Allen, right? Yeah. Yep. So I started so right out of college when the, uh, when the NFL didn't work out, I immediately went into coaching, uh, coached one year at uh, Albemarle and then the next three at Charlottesville High School. Um, so we decided, you know, we didn't want to move all the way back to the Tidewater area, but, you know, we wanted to kind of get a get out of the small Charlottesville city, which we loved, but, you know, we just wanted to kind of, you know, grow elsewhere. So me and my wife decided to move to Richmond, which is a good median point for, for both cities. Um, and I got, you know, got hired as a defensive coordinator at Glen Allen High School. And after two years, the, uh, I, after two years of me being a defensive coordinator, the head coach stepped down. And I interviewed for the uh, the head coaching position and, and got it. Um, I kind of always seen myself as, you know, eventually being a head coach. But I, you know, I didn't think it would, it would come at the age of 28. Um, I thought, you know, you always see coaches who are like, you know, in their 40s or maybe, you know, even 50s. Um, I, I didn't anticipate it coming so early, but you know, I was I was glad that it did. And when the, you know, when the opportunity presented itself, I just I felt like it was for me. Um, my players were ecstatic. You know, they they loved 
you know, they loved me as a coach and I, you know, I was just wanted to get in as fast as I could and just try to, you know, make a name for myself in this area. Yeah, that's awesome, Perry. What are some, uh, I'm curious, Perry, who are some coaches and some, uh, some schemes like that you, uh, particularly like, like more than others. I- I'm curious as to like, what, what schemes and concepts, like, do you really like following? Yeah. So one of the, you know, one of the biggest things that I, I learned coming in, uh, I mean, over the years as an assistant coach, mm-hmm. um, I've seen coaches who did, I've seen coaches who didn't do it, but one of the biggest things that I, I learned is you have to adapt to your personnel. I know some coaches can be, you know, bullheaded and say, this is what I've been running for 30 years, so I'm just going to continue to run it. Not knowing that you have to adapt to the, the players that you have. So I don't, I wouldn't say there's one particular, you know, team offensively or defensively that I, that I, you know, like them, I, that I like the most. I take a bit from everybody and just kind of see how it can work for me. If it does, then great. I implement it, you know, see if it, if it works for the kids. If it works for them, then we keep it. If not, then we get, we, we uh you know shove it out the back door. Um, so I just try to take bits and pieces from a lot of guys um, on all levels, you know, professional level, college level. Uh, I mean, even you know the high school level. Uh, I really I really credit like most of my, you know, the way I my style of coaching uh, in high school to my my former high school head coach Richard Morgan, who's currently down in Georgia, uh, coaching at Marietta. They were the 7A uh, state, champions, state champions in Georgia. Um, he was, uh, like, the best I've ever seen. And I, if I could have taken him with me to college, I would have. But um, I just take up bits and pieces from a lot of these guys, a lot of the big-name guys who I know have done their due diligence and they've done the work and they've studied and figured out what works for them. And then I, I try to take a bits and pieces from everybody. Yeah, you know, that's beautifully said, Perry. And uh... – I can, I can tell that, uh, you've learned pieces of knowledge that some coaches just never learn. You can't be married to a scheme. You got to be tailor the scheme to the personnel that you have. That's, uh, that's brilliant, man. Like I can't tell you how many coaches I watch it. It, uh, it drives me insane watching coaches Mm -hmm. that are just stubborn and they, they don't want to change the scheme because you know, that player doesn't fit it. So, uh, it's like yeah. fitting a, uh, what square peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yep. talk to me about, talk to me about college players getting paid, Perry. I want to hear your thoughts on that. That's something that I've gotten to talk to a lot of the guys that have come on the podcast about what are your thoughts on college players getting paid personally? I am fully in support of college players getting paid especially mm-hmm. after talking to a lot of guys that have come on this podcast. I mean, some guys that, you know, get a D one scholarship, it just don't come from, you know, don't come from much. So, yeah. you know, $3,000 a month, I feel like is something that would be reasonable for every player that has a scholarship to give them spending money, gas, eat, uh, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think, Perry? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I definitely think like, you know, there should be some type of comp- compensation for the guys who are out there doing the, the grunt work uh, for these different universities. Um, and one people, like some people, I've heard the argument like, well, they're selling my jersey in a bookstore and no, my name might not be on a jersey, but obviously it's my number. Like the team that I'm playing for, everybody knows when they go to the bookstore and they see, you know, for instance, the number 33 on a Virginia jersey, they know who that is. 
they know it's, it's Perry Jones. So when they buy their jersey, they're buying it to represent me um, as well as the university. So um, I definitely think there should be some type of compensation because even, even my uh, own personal experience, uh, even when I first got to, you know, UVA, they did, I guess they, they gave, they gave out Pell Grants. Guys who financially could qualify for Pell Grants, you get, you know, one in the, um, and before the, before the semester and after. Um, but it was some, something wrong with my paperwork that it took a, an entire year to get correct. So I didn't get any, like any Pell Grant money from the time I got to UVA to the, the, the next summer going into my second year. So I didn't get any money from the school. And I, I couldn't pay my phone bill. Uh, I couldn't, I had to be careful about how many times I went out to go grab a burger from the corner. Um, so I had to, you know, I kind of struggled in that area and just thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm probably, I'm definitely not the only player that's in, that was in that same situation and just think about how that money could have potentially helped me. Um, and it's, and it's a good, you know, it's a good way to, to help, help players to understand how to deal with finance. Like you can't just say, you know, work, 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 don't get any money and then go out and, you know, after your career is over and start your life and get a job and understand how to deal with finances if you haven't had any up until until you're 22, 23 years old when you when you leave college. Um, so I think, you know, with that, you know, with the compensation of the players, I think every every school should have financial classes for the for the guys. So when they leave out, they know what to do with the money. They know to invest. They know to to put part of it uh part of your uh a percentage of your money away to, to you know in your savings account for an emergency fund. Like those are the type of things that I didn't even learn until, you know, the last few years. So I'm just thinking if imagine if I learned that at eighteen and nineteen years old how how much it would have helped me today. Yeah, I agree. Perry, I mean, finance classes can really help everyone, you know, um, that's, uh, that's, uh, those are definitely really good tips. And, you know, like I'm a diehard fan and I got your poster and, and the program on my wall. It's like, how, how cool would that be? If not only, you know, let's say I, I could buy like a, a $30 poster, like signed by mm -hmm. you, like when you were in college, you know, yeah. not only would it be able to support you, but it would give like diehard fans like myself some more memorabilia, you know? Yeah. And I still see, I mean, every once in a while, I still see a jersey signed by me or, you know, like a poster or a helmet that I signed in college that's, that's on eBay. Uh, you know, a, a, signed, a signed helmet is going for $300 that I signed back in 2012. I'm like, I don't get any of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of understand that. And I think, you know, obviously, I think one one argument that I keep hearing is, well, do you give the star player more than the the you know the walk on? I'm like, no, I think it should be it should be uh, equal all the way around the board because you know again every all the guys on the team are going out there and sacrificing their bodies for for the university. I, again, I think everybody should be uh, compensated in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I agree, Perry, and I I think having a um an equal amount of payment for all the players is a great idea because once you start paying guys more and th that I don't know, you can divide a team really quick that way. And not only that, yeah. you know, you never even know. Like a guy might decide to like sit out, be like, I ah, well, I'm not playing. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. So, uh, it it could get messy really quick. Mm -hmm. Um. 
Who were some of your favorite players growing up, Perry? Um, so I guess I had different uh, different players or kind of different areas of my life. And I'm, like, I have three three of my top players, and ironically, all of their last name is Sanders, which is kind of crazy now that I think about it. Um, so as a you know a young kid, maybe four or five, six years old, um, Deion Sanders was my favorite player. Then uh, I fell in love with Barry Sanders, who I kind of tried to model my game after when I got to college. And when I was in high school, my favorite player was Bob Sanders, a defensive back for the uh, Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, again, I, I, I really love those guys, just their, their style of play um, and, you know, different sides of the ball. But those, those are my, 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 my three favorite players, you know, from the time I was little until – until high school. So I, I really idolize those guys and, and try to model my game after them. Yeah, dude. Barry Sanders, my all time favorite football player too, man. I have a huge I have a huge Oklahoma State football painting of uh Barry Sanders and a huge I have a huge uh Detroit Lions fathead of Barry, man. Mm-hmm. I I love the speech, you know, when his dad his dad introduced him into the Hall of Fame. He's like the second Greatest yeah. running back in NFL history. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even then, I, I think I think his dad knew. What, I think his dad, uh, you know, thought highly of his son. But it was it was also another way to also you know keep him humble. Like, yeah, you're going into the NFL uh, into the Hall of Fame, um, but you you know you still have some great guys that are in front of you. Which and, and I think that's what kind of stuck out to me the most about Barry Sanders. Like, yes, he's a great football player, but how how humble he was and uh, that, you know, I also tried to take that same approach. It's like, you can still, you know, be a great player and, and dominate, but have a humble, you know, attitude about yourself. Um, so, you know, just don't complain, work as hard as you can. And, you know, you will be rewarded in the end. Yeah, I agree, Perry. You know, uh, the number 33 is one of my favorite player, uh, one of my favorite numbers in Virginia football history. Perry, you know who else wore the number 33, don't you? Uh, Jamie Sharper. Well, yeah, him too, him too. But Wally Sultan Lundy. Oh yeah, yeah, Wally Lundy, yeah, yeah, yep. Right before me. So, so you yes, just sir. like you just like keeping 33 since you wore it in high school, right? I mean, actually, it was my uh, my first number ever. When I started playing rec league in uh, the fifth grade, um, I actually wanted the number 32 because that was my dad's number when he played in in high school. Um, But at that time, it was like, you know, we all stood in the line. The coach hung the jerseys up on the fence. And it was like, you know, depending on what, you know, when you went, you get to choose your number. So I think I was somewhere in the middle towards the end. Um, and I was trying to get a 32, 32, 32. I kept looking at it. And the kid in front of me picked 32. So I was like, well, I'll just stick with 33. Kind of fell in love with it. And, you know, from the fifth grade until I finished playing in college, um, you know, I had I had the number 33. And, uh, you know, it just, that was just my number. And, um, yeah, it, it, it was special to me. Yeah, thirty-three is a is a unique football number, Perry. I, I feel like not that many guys wear it. That's that's kind of one of the reasons I like it. But you and Wally Lundy, I mean, after that, I mean, I'm in love with the number forever, man. Because you guys, yeah. 
and you know, JB Sharper too. It just it has a special place in Virginia football history, you know. Um yeah. lo- love that number, man. To to, to mm-hmm. have two all-purpose backs like you and Wally Lundy to wear that same number. It's uh it's always going to have a special spot in Virginia football history. There's no question about that. Yeah. What was it like? Uh, talk to me. What was it like having uh, such good blocking receivers like Chris Bird and Dontrell Inman? God, yeah. those guys, Chris Bird, one of the best blocking receivers in Virginia football history, dude. Mm-hmm. Chris Bird was my guy, man. And I love his tenacity when he would approach block. Now, I mean, I always say, like, he played receiver like a linebacker, um, whether he was blocking or running with the football. Uh, you know, he wasn't, you know, afraid to, you know, to stick his face in the sand. And, you know, seeing those guys working so hard to try to get a block to spring me open, you know, it was, you know, it was much appreciated. Um, so, yeah, those, those guys did their thing on the outside on the edge. You know, even Dontrell Inman as well. Um, they Again, not the biggest guy. Uh, but that mentality that we try to have as a team, like I, I don't care who's in front of me, I'm going to go as hard as I can because I want to see my, my teammates succeed. So, you know, still to this day, I'm, I'm, I'm really appreciative of, of those guys. Absolutely, Perry. Talk to me about the 2011 Virginia offensive line. That offensive line, the 2011 Virginia football offensive line, the best Virginia football offensive line of that deck of this decade. No question about it, man. Though that was an absolutely stacked offensive line. Talk to me about that group of guys and how well the chem, how good the chemistry was between all of them that year. Yeah, we had a, you know, great offensive line. Like those guys, man, they were a close tight knit group. Like everybody, if you play college football, you know, like two things, offensive linemen, those guys stick together. And number two, they are they are nuts. <laughs> Those guys are nuts. And I, you know, fortunately, I had a you know the opportunity to to run behind four of those guys who had a you know uh, a decent career in the NFL. Morgan Moses, who's still there, uh, Luke Bawenko, who played uh, I think five or six years in the NFL, um, Odea Bushi, who's still playing. I think he's playing for the, the Detroit Lions now. Um, and Austin Pastor, who who played a, a good amount uh, in, in in the NFL, and you know, I was fortunate enough to, to to run behind those guys. And you know, after the game, I was against a few opponents. They would say, like, "Man, I couldn't I couldn't find you behind there." And it's like, well, when you got when you're five, you're five seven, five eight, and you got six six, six eight, six five, six six in front of you, then yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. But um, you know, those guys did a, a really great job at, at, at providing me uh, with, with, with open holes. And we tried to work together. You know, they tried to make me right, and I tried to make them right. So, luckily, our, our scheme allowed us to be able to do that. Like, as long as the, the lineman was running his feet and taking, taking the, the defender where he wanted to go, then I, could, I had the opportunity to keep the play side or, or cut it back. So, and we just fed off of each other, and anytime I – you know, had a big run or, uh, you know, a big catch or a touchdown, those guys were always the first one to greet me. So, um, you know, none of it would have took place without those guys. You know, one thing I've always, I've always wanted to ask player Perry, 
Talk to me. What does it feel like when you are going over the pile on the goal line, fully extended, like a goal line dive over everyone? Yeah. Um, it was, you know, something that it was actually designed that way. Um, you know, the, the, the offensive coordinator, he knew I had a you know good leaping ability and I wasn't, I wouldn't be afraid to, to do it either. Um, but we knew like if we could get down there one or two yards, I would be able to, to, you know, get over those guys. So the offensive line were, were told as soon as the, as soon as the ball is snapped, you, uh, you cut block. And if we can get those guys, if we can get their hands down and get, get them down just a little bit lower, I would be able to, to go over top of them. So, uh, that was definitely one of my favorite plays. And, you know, uh, it was, uh, just another, way to kind of you know solidify the superman name you know flying over the line so. yeah, yeah dude it's it's definitely uh one of the cooler things to watch in football man i mean it's it's got to be wild like i don't know if you've seen the clip there's a there's a clip of uh garrett schrader from uh mississippi state he does mm-hmm. a helicopter. Like when yeah, yeah. he went full extension, gets helicoptered yeah. in midair. Like, mm-hmm. God. You got to know when to do it and when to not. It's definitely, a, you know, dangerous, but if you can kind of execute it, then you, you're good money. But if you, um, if you do it at the wrong time, when there's too many players around or you misjudge <laughs> the jump, then it's, it's going to turn out bad. Uh, it's funny, man. Um, talk to me, you know, one thing I would talk, I got to talk to Chris Bird about Perry was the Chick-fil-A bowl. My man, the Chick-fil-A bowl to this day was one of the best, like three days before that game, Perry, Virginia fans in the downtown Atlanta Marriott marquee were chanting, let's go Wahoos. And they were giving us high fives in the hotel to this day, Perry, like one of the best atmospheres I've ever seen in any Virginia event, man. I I cannot tell you like how good the vibes were. It's something about our fans in Atlanta, man. I don't know how to explain it, but man, they love Virginia football. Yeah. I mean, they came down and they really like supported us. And you know, it was kind of, kind of crazy to see how many, uh, you know, fans actually stayed in our, our exact hotel. And when we came out, and just to and like to, to depart for the game and to see all those people like down in the lobby and just rooting us on, it, it was amazing. And you know the way the hotel was set up, it was so tall, and it's like you know it seemed like the you know the Let's Go Wahoos was bouncing off every ball, bouncing off the ceiling. It was just really, really echoing and vibrating the, the entire place. So um, that's definitely a moment that I can kind of think back on and you know and relish in because you know that was. That was that was great. You know, I think we, we had some great fans and you know, it, it was just a fun time the, the entire week. Yeah, man, absolutely. Like I'll, I'll never forget that week being down in Atlanta. I think our fans were so fired up. It was one fact that Virginia hadn't been to a bowl in a few years and we were just mm-hmm. so excited to be back in a, a and it was a big bowl game too, because Auburn yeah. had just been in a national title game the previous year. So yeah. It was just a wild atmosphere, too. That was in the Georgia Dome, too, right? It was. Dude, the Georgia Dome. I hated to see that go. Didn't they implode the Georgia Dome? I think they destroyed it. 
Yeah, they did, and Dude, build a brand new one. That that Georgia Dome, man, I loved being in that football stadium. That was just a fantastic football venue. Like it was just electric. I was I was in the Georgia Dome for the '95 Peach Bowl when Petey Allen returned the kick all the way back for the game winner, dude. That was yeah. talk about our fans going nuts, man. When he's uh-huh. Petey Allen's like tiptoeing down the sideline. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny, dude, a memory, a memory I have from Petey Allen. He was at one of the Virginia uh, spring games and he said, they asked him, when was the hardest anyone ever hit you? He said, Anthony Point Dexter in practice. <laughs> yeah, Coach, Coach Dex, man, like, you know, I remember actually watching him play when I was, like, really young. And um, obviously I didn't know I was going to Virginia then, but I was just like, man, this dude is, you know, this dude is a beast. Yeah, you know, Marcus Hagan said, watching, watching Point Dexter with the visor, and the, and the finger tape, he said he looked uh-huh. like a train killer out there. He did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. They got that. They have that old school. I, I forget what year that poster was. They they have a really cool picture of him uh, with the shaded visor on in one of the old Virginia posters. It's absolutely epic, dude. I, I, I forget what year that was, but it's it's a classic poster. Yeah. What? What were um some of your favorite throwback NFL uniforms, Perry? The throwback NFL uniform? Yeah, like the Houston, like the Houston Oilers sky blue ones. Yeah, I think I think I really like those. Um, I think they could, you know, really. I think they can bring those back today and do some like you know special like combinations um, with those. But you know, I was always I'm always like a kind of a classic guy. And I saw that the, uh, the Atlanta Falcons just chose their, uh, you know, their new uniform for the season. But I even like those, uh, their throwbacks, you know, when Dion was playing. Um, you know, it's just something about just the classic look, like not too much. You know, now they got like the faded numbers. Like, you know, that's you know, not all that important to me. So I don't really care about the flashiness. But just a nice, clean, uh, crisp look. And, you know, red, red and black is like my favorite combination of uh, colors. So. Um. Yeah, I, I I would like to see those those them wear their uh, throwback uniforms a little bit more often, dude. And I gotta tell you, my favorite, some of my favorite Virginia football uniforms when you guys broke out those orange helmets in the uh, Chick Fil A Bowl, dude. I lost my mind. I was like, dude, those are so <laughs> sick. Yeah, and they. I mean, they actually. Uh, I think the day before the game, when we had our team picture in the Georgia Dome. Um, we we didn't know that we were gonna wear them, um, but they doing our team picture. Coach London, you know, kind of snuck that snuck the helmet out, and you know they, they he showed it to us, and, and the guys just went nuts because um, it was it was totally unexpected. Like nobody had like there was no inkling of us getting new helmets up until that point. Um, so the, the guys were really just excited to kind of you know see some change. Um, and that from, from that point forward, you know, they they kind of integrated it more into the uniforms, uh, you know, to go from the different color helmets. Yeah, dude, those those orange helmets were classic, especially with you rocking rocking this shaded visor. I love talking to guys about the visors. Perry, did you wear the visor just for swag? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was mostly 
for the swag. I just remember thinking back, thinking back to when I was younger. My favorite team, my favorite college team growing up was uh, uh, the Miami Hurricanes, and I remember watching guys like you know Sean Taylor with the uh, with the tennis visor, but he you know he had the rainbow. Oh yeah, I wanted that, but that was you know it was wasn't it was prohibited by the time that I was able to wear it visor. Um, so that was kind of the closest thing to it, and um, yeah, it was just you know it definitely set the, the swag off right. <laughs> yeah, dude, the shaded visor was always one of my favorite looks. Uh, it automatically makes any football player look like such a beast. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right, Perry. Well. That's all I got the time for, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, my man. Yes, sir. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for all you did for Virginia football, my man. Wouldn't change it for the world. (laughs) Take care, man. Yes, sir. See ya. to the flow theory podcast you can listen to our podcast on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher spotify and tune in